You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. What's up, Grace? How y'all doing? You all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little story, but before I do, I want you to, to score yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 on how generous you actually are. Is it a 3? Is it a 5? Is it a, is it a 7? Re- remember that number, and we may or may not get back to it, but, so, so just remember that number. So back in the 1700s, there were, there were these two guys, they were two, two young men in their 20s, and they were rolling up to church, and, and they, they sat down, and they were getting ready to hear from their pastor. And their pastor started talking about uh, this group, this group in the, the West Indies, and there was this one man, and he, he owned 3,000 slaves. So these two young men, they were, they were greatly disturbed by this. They were greatly disturbed by this because what the pastor said is that, that these 3,000 would never, they would never hear the life-giving message of who Jesus was. They would never hear the story of Jesus. They would never hear the story of how they could put their lives completely in him and trust in him. And so they were bound and determined to do something about it. And so as the story goes, they, they said, you know what? We're going to sell ourselves into slavery. We're going to sell ourselves into slavery so we can, can reach them. And so their, their families were completely against this. But they said, you know what? I'm, I know that we're supposed to do this. Listen, they weren't going on some short-term mission trip. They were going to give their complete lives. They didn't know if they would ever see their families again. And so they, they get to the pier they board the ship that they're headed to. They get on the ship and they, they get pushed off from the shore. And as the story goes, the, the two guys lock arms. They lock arms and it says that one of them raised their hands. And he said, may the lamb, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. See, I I look at a story like that and I I go, what does it take? What does it take for a human being to get to the point where they say, you know what, I'm going to sell myself into slavery. That is crazy. Some some of you are saying, you know what, nope, I'm not listening to anything else he has to say. Some of you are saying, ah, it's just Justin again. Some of you are are, are maybe fearful going, oh no, what is he, is he going to ask me to sell myself into slavery? Some of you guys are, are like, yeah, yeah, I smell what he's stepping in. I'm right with him. I'm, I'm, I'm totally engaged. The rest of you are scrolling on Facebook. I know. You're scrolling on Facebook. You're checking the, the scores of the game. I know that. You didn't even hear the story I just told. I know American culture. But, but here, here's the deal. We, we are going to look at what God is asking us to do. Not, not what we feel, not even what we think, but what is God actually asking us to do? It's not going to be a message about money. It's not going to necessarily be a message. He might not be asking you to sell yourself into slavery, but he is asking you to do something. So we're going to be in Romans 12. Let's pray, and then we'll hop right in. Father, I just pray that you would show up. 
pray that your word would just change us. I pray that your word would affect us. I pray that we would just be a different church, God. That we wouldn't be a selfish church. That we wouldn't be a church just looking to get ours. But we would be a church that was irrationally, insanely generous with the poor, with the broken, with the unreached. We love you and pray all these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Let's read it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Does anybody know what that means like really, like I, I read that and I went, nobody talks like that anymore. Nobody, nobody reads like that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. You know, usually people that read like that or talk like that, we're like, what's, what's up with you, man? You are weird. That's usually what we do. And so let, let's walk through it and try to see what God is actually trying to say. So, so look at it again with me. He says, I beseech you, which means some people say it, it's beg, but it actually means to call somebody near to your side, to comfort them. So he's saying, hey, I comfort you. I comfort you, therefore. Anytime you see that word, therefore, you have to find out what it is there for. And so he's actually referring to, to Romans chapter 11 when, when he is talking about that everything was made for God. Everything, even you were made for Him. So He's saying, hey, I'm calling you near to comfort you because all things are made for Him. And He says, brethren, by the mercies or by the feelings, by the emotions of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. That word right there, yeah, it's, it's literally a living victim. That you would be a living victim. A victim is person, somebody that is acted upon. Somebody that's acted upon. So he said, I want you to live as a living victim. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, your reasonable, which is your logical or rational service. Your rational worship. And just a side note too, I'm not saying if you have been victimized, I'm not saying that's okay. By the way, I don't want to be insensitive with that word because it is a very strong word. But here's the difference. When you have a holy, perfect, amazing, loving God that loves you dearly, you can say, God, you can do whatever. So I'm not saying the victimized piece. I'm saying if we have a holy God and he, he will treat us how we should. So verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. So don't be like every single commercial ever produced that says, oh, you just deserve it. You deserve it all. You should get it all. You should buy it all. Don't be like that. Don't be like the world. But be transformed be changed and then he tells us how people change by the renewing of your mind or the renewing of your intellect usually that's through god's word that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god you understand it now 
I don't. So, so I, I, I still don't understand it even after explaining it. So my wife and I got together and we, we rewrote it in the Justin and Amy version. Uh, not in God's word. It's Justin and Amy's word. So we, we rewrote it just to see if it would help you understand. So this is how we wrote it right here. Hey, hey, hey friends. Come, come close. Even by my side because I want to, I want to comfort you. Because everything is his, you were made for him. Hey, hey, my, my family, by the emotions and longing of God, he is asking you to give your whole life as an offering. Not just 10%. And it is a gift that he will accept by giving your life. And this is not crazy, but it's logical and reasonable. And this is an act of worship. Don't be like everybody else, arrogant, desiring to have what they have, wanting more. Be changed. And this is how. By renewing your mind, which is typically done by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, then you will look different than the world. And you will prove that God's desires are beneficial, pleasing, and complete towards you. You still get it? I still, still don't get it, right? But if he, here's what he's saying. Let me sum it up. He's saying, I want to comfort you. I want you near my side because you should sacrifice. You should sacrifice. See, in, in this world that we live in, we always think, man, what is the bare minimum? What's the bare minimum I can do to get by? What's the bare minimum I can do just to please God? There's this guy named C.S. Lewis. He was this literary genius. He, he wrote about Christianity. He wrote about a lot of other things. And, and he says this. He says, the Lord doesn't find our, our, our desires too strong, but actually too weak. Too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. When infinite, when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child... We want to sit down in the slums making mud pies and we cannot imagine a vacation or a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. So we always think, what can we get by with the, the bare minimum? What's the, what's the smallest amount I can get by? We even have a saying in our culture that says, go the extra mile. Why aren't we going the extra mile? They actually stole that from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 verse 40, 41 says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. And then the next verse, says, give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. He says, go the extra mile. Typically we say they, they got this from Roman law, but it was actually Persians. And there were these postal routes that people were, you know, transporting packages and transporting things. And what would happen if you were on this road, you had to help them. Compel means to be pressed into public service. And so if you were along that road and there was a carrier, you had to help them. And it wasn't actually one mile, it was 1,000 steps. You had to help them 1,000 steps. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't help them 1,000 steps. Help them 2,000 steps. Help them 2,000 steps. 
What happens if we had to obey this verse? Like, really? What happens if we had to obey this verse? Whoever asks you anything, give it to him. You, you, you know what it means in the Greek? Check, check out what it means in the Greek right here. Chapter 40, or uh, verse 41. This is what it means in the Greek. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. That's what it means. And you know what verse 42 means? Right here, in the Greek, this is what it means. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. Don't do it. You know, I was trying to think of modern day examples, like when people ask us for things. And uh, I used to be in uh, construction supplies retail, and, and we had a store, it closed at 5 p.m., 5 p.m. And you know those people? You know those people that show up at 4.58? Oh, those people. You know, they walk in at 4.58 and you're like, how may I help you? I don't like you right now. In my heart, that's what I would say. But going the extra mile, what happens if I said, hey, well, how can I help you? Man, stay as long as you want. What can I help you with? That's how you should do because they're trying to pay you, by the way. It's called customer service. But, but, but anyways, the, also, I, I thought about modern day examples and I, I, I'm, I sit in my office sometimes and I'm a fairly task oriented guy. Guilty. But I, I've got this clock. I've got this clock in my office and it says, it's about the relationship, not the clock. And this is why. Because usually I schedule about 30 minute increments for meetings. And you know, when it's like, it, it's four o'clock, they come in and it's 431. I'm like, why are you still sitting here? Why are you still sitting here? Get out of my office. I got stuff to do. Get out of here. But what happens if I said, you know what? I'm going to go the extra mile. You can spend an hour and a half with me. I know I'm church staff. I'm not supposed to be like that. I'm supposed to be all about you and loving you and hanging with you and ministering to you, but I'm not. I got stuff to do, yo. I do love you guys, actually. I really do. So we need to extend those meetings. What happens if, we, if you're at lunch today and you actually tipped 40% instead of 20%? Or are you cheapskates that tip 10%? What happens if we gave 40%? What happens if instead of tithing 10%, we tithe 20% because God asked us and we actually wanted to obey that? I'm now I know I'm barking up the wrong tree. 20% tithe? What's up with that? You know, I, I, I always try to think, like, well, who exemplifies this? Or, or what's a character? And, you know, there's this movie. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a fairly popular movie in, in pop culture, Lord of the Rings. You guys ever, you ever heard of that, Lord of the Rings? There's this guy named Samwise Gamgee. Samwise, man, he doesn't go the extra mile. He goes the whole journey with Frodo. The whole journey. I'm asking you. To be a hobbit. <laughs> oh, I didn't plan that one. That was just a little extra nugget for you right there. But anyways, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 verse 41 when he says, And whoever compels, whoever compels that presses you into public service. That's what it means. I'm going to press you into public service. I couldn't help but think of a man named Simon. See, Jesus was headed to his crucifixion, and he is holding a cross on his back. It's probably 75 pounds to 80 pounds, and he exhausted. he's exhausted because by this time he's been beat 
beaten. He's been spit on. He's been punched in the face. And he's carrying it with exhaustion. And he's bleeding. And they say, hey, Simon. Let's read it, actually. Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. It says, now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene. Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. See, they pressed Simon into public service and said, you know what? Grab that cross and you're going to have to carry it. See, I wonder how many of us have, have said, you know what? I'm going to die. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to, I'm going to pick up that cross and I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to my selfish ambition and I'm going to put it on my back and I'm going to carry it. I'm going to carry it. Just like when Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, if anybody desires to come after Jesus, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. See, even for you intellectuals, there was this guy in the 1800s named Soren Kierkegaard. He was a philosopher, and he says, listen, Christianity is costly. It is costly, and it demands a cost, and it it demands humility. Francis Chan, this popular American pastor, he said, you know what? It is the inability, it is the inability for us to take our eyes off ourselves and to put them on others that destroy us. It's because we're not generous. You know, the funny thing is, we come to church to receive. We come to church to receive, to receive good worship and great Bible teaching. Mediocre Bible teaching today, but, but normally it, it's great. So we come to receive, but who came here today saying, you know what, I'm going to give of my life, I'm going to give of my time, I'm going to give of my talent, I'm going to give of my resources. Who came here saying that today? What happens if on Monday, what happens if you live like that on Monday? What happens if you live like Jesus on Monday where you said, you know what, I'm going to serve people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to give to people. I I try to think of gracers that anytime I preach, I always try to think of gracers that exemplify what I'm preaching about. Hopefully you'll make the connection, but there was this guy named Ernest Shackleton. And Ernest Shackleton, he led expeditions into the Antarctic. And uh, he put this ad out in the newspaper, allegedly. And this is what it says. It says, men wanted, or men or women wanted. It says, for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness. Constant danger, safe return, doubtful. Man, if that is not a description of this life, I don't know what is. But check this out. And recognition in case of success. See, there's people, they they probably wouldn't say what they're doing is costly. But there's gracers around here that are risking it. There's a, a, a family, they're down in Tijuana right now getting trained to be missionaries to an unreached people group. They're going to go move their whole family, the Beltrans, over to the Middle East because they're going to go try to reach 77 million people and only 5,000 of that 77 million are actual true followers of Jesus. They're risking it. 
I think of Carrie Pullman. Carrie Pullman, I just found out this uh, uh, about a month ago. This is so sweet as an outreach director, director of mobilization. This is so sweet to me because I heard about somebody being outward focused and I didn't help organize it. It was so awesome because she's going downtown and feeding the poor and feeding the homeless. And not only that, but she is bringing her kids to feed them and she is risking it. It's awesome. I think of my great friend, uh, John and, and great friends, John and Miriam Iliff. Man, they are, they're, they're insanely busy. They've got this amazing son named Blue. He's, he's a stud, but, but they're probably the busiest family I've ever met, but they still are radical, gener- they have, they're radically generous towards me because they still will spend time with me. You know, if you want to talk about radical generosity, November's National Adoption Month. And if you want to talk about something radically generous, let somebody come eat your food, stay at your house, yell in your face, and track mud across the carpet. You know, this is going to sound like an infomercial, but it's not. If you have stories of what God's doing either through you or brag on somebody else and email us. Email us at stories at visitgracechurch.com. It's not an infomercial, yo. It is not an infomercial. I want to hear. Because here's the deal. It's the church being the church where Jesus is literally flowing through you. You know, I, I, uh, I think, what, how can we give? Like, how can we be radically generous? And I, I thought of this hymn, and I, I went back and I, I read this story, and there's this gal named Elvina. And back in the day, there were these things called hymn books. I don't know if you guys remember what a hymn book, but it was a book. It was like a, a hardcover book. Like it was a real book. Like, and it had a, a binding on it, and you opened it, and there were words in it. And then instead of there being words on a screen, there were words in this book, and then you sang them. It was really incredible, actually. But so there was this hymn book. And there used to be these things called choir lofts. And so uh, back in the day, you used to have the pastor. He would stand down front and he would, he would pray. And then the choir behind would be behind on, on the stage in something called a choir loft. And there would be chairs. And they would sit down in those chairs, usually while the pastor was praying. And Elvina was sitting down and she, she was thinking, Pastor's prayer is really long today. <laughs> it's really long. She didn't have any paper with her, but she had her hymn book, and she had a pen, and, and she started thinking, well, she was thinking selfishly, like, oh my gosh, this guy's praying so long, and, and then she, it says that she, she wrote that her mind started to, to move towards her need for salvation, and then she wrote this, she scribbled these words that would eventually show up in this hymn book, and this is what she, she wrote, because Jesus paid it all all to him i owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it as white as snow you know why we can give of our time our talent and our resources because he gave because he gave so what happened to our two guys that sold themselves into slavery there, it was John Leonard Dober and David Nitchman were their names, and uh, they made it over to the island. One guy only made it there four months, and he went back home. He went back home. 
but God used him. Check this out. The other guy, David, he ended up staying and, and the governor actually hired him. And he said, yes, I will be hired by you so he could be closer to the slaves so they could share the life-giving message of Jesus. Within two years, there were 18 more missionaries that were mobilized that showed up in country because these guys decided to risk it. And then the cool, the cool, one of the coolest things about the story is they were on the boat headed over to the island. They were on the boat headed over to the island and there were these hurricane-like weather patterns and people were freaking out and, and they, they were, they were scared. And so David decided, you know what? He was, they were really chill. They said, let's, let's sing. Let's just sing praises to God right now. So they sing praises to God and there was this guy on the boat. There was this guy on the boat and he was so impacted by them that he said, I'm going to go study. I'm going to go learn from them back in Europe. And so he went and studied with them. And then he started this denomination called the Methodists. And over one million people today, over one million people today, not even throughout the last 300 years, but today one million people are followers of Jesus because a guy named John Wesley had an impact, got impacted by two young guys that decided to sing to Jesus and decided to sell themselves into slavery. There are 52 churches on that island today. 52. Today still. It was said of uh, the missionaries that showed up because there were there were no rocks on the island. So it was said that the missionaries would take two things with them. One, a headstone. And two, their Bibles. You know, I, I think that that quote is just so true that they said that the lamb, that the lamb may receive the reward of his suffering. You know who the lamb is? Say it with me loud. Who's the lamb? Jesus. Again, who's the lamb? Jesus. Jesus is the lamb. And maybe, just maybe, his reward is my life. He suffered so I could give my life as his reward so I could be used not in a bad way but used to extend his kingdom in all of the earth so where do we go from here like what do we need to do like what do we actually need to do about this there's two things right here One, we need to repent. This is not a popular word in our culture today, but we need to repent, which is we need to change our minds. We have to change our minds and we have to turn from our selfishness and our greed to radical generosity. Repent. Change. And we need to love, man. We need to love God. I was uh, was in in, uh, Denver this week, all week, and uh, I take uh, Uber every once in a while. And any time I take Uber... I'm bound and determined I'm sharing Jesus with my Uber driver. Guaranteed, always. And so I, I'm sitting at, with Ed, my Uber driver, that's had 4,000 people. He's had 4,000, uh, you know, uh, he's taxied 4,000 people. And I'm sitting with Ed, and I go, yo, Ed, uh, you, uh, you a church-going fella? And he goes, oh, and he was, he was uh, a Mexican-German, okay? So his accent was all over the place. And so I'm going to recreate it right now. Um, and I can butcher it because he butchered it. And so, so he goes, oh man, I have had such an encounter with Jesus. It was, he is just so amazing. 
I just had such an encounter with him. And then he said this, and it's so weird. It is so weird. He goes, man, the, the, the flavor of God, man, the flavor of God is something else. That is weird. <laughs> but you know what? I was so jealous because he just loved God, man. He loved Jesus. And I said, hey, Ed, do you, do you ever get to share Jesus with people when you're taking them? And he goes, oh man, almost every day. I try to every day. I didn't have to coax Ed into telling me about Jesus. He loved him so much that he wanted to be radically generous with him. So here's a few things we can do. Right now, if you've never given your life to Jesus, give it to him. Just give it to him, would you? Like, Do I need to tell you that he loves you any more than I already have? He loves you. Gosh. And you know, in an, in an American culture, that doesn't, like a man loving another man, that feels weird. It feels weird for me to even say, but you know what? Who cares? He just desperately wants to spend time with you and know you. He's given you his word and he wants to be personal with you. So give your life to him. Otherwise, re- renew your mind. Renew your mind. And here's the deal. It's a two-part piece. One piece is the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's his job. He's going to renew your mind. But do your part, would you? Open the Word of God and read it. Like, really read it. And he'll do the other part. Read it. So give your life to him. Renew your mind. And then present yourself like a living sacrifice. Present yourself. Like, you know that word present? It's Yeah, it's now, but it's also a present. It's a a gift. You don't even have to be, you don't even have to be wrapped with a bow and all nice like Mark Sauntry. You can be, you can be ugly like me if you want to. Present yourself as a living sacrifice and don't, don't be like the world. Don't be like the world. So you guys are very intelligent beings. This is the last thing I'm going to say right here. You're intelligent beings, and I think you will be able to make the connection. If you can't, come find me later. I'll help, and I'll make the connection for you. Radical generosity is carrying your headstone in one hand and your Bible in the other. Let's do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, I just pray that we would be radically generous. I pray that we'd be radically generous with our time, our talent, our resources, and that we would just be irrationally generous, God, with with the outside world, with one another. God, I pray that you would move our church to be different, to be different, not only receive the love of you, but to give it to others. I pray that we would have 100% of our church engaged with mission. God, move among us. We pray in your powerful name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.